0: Hi, my name is Tom Johnson, and you are listening to I'd Rather Be Writing. Today is August 23rd, 2017, and today I'm reading a post called Discoveries and Realizations while walking down the Docs as Code path. Summary. This past week, I had some good discussions with developers about the right directions in our Docs as Code project at work. I say good discussions, but actually they were challenging. The outcome led me to realize more details about embracing docs as code. The more you treat docs as code, the more you may have to set aside some common tech writer models of handling content and instead embrace software code workflows entirely. Some of these principles include storing only source code in repositories, building from a build management system and reducing build pipelines to work with only one or two large repositories. Background To provide a little background, at my work we're developing a system to build our Jekyll outputs from a build management system directly into a larger website. The idea is to commit content into an internal Git repo, build the Jekyll output, grab the body content, and insert it into a web template used for the site. It sounds like a common docs code approach, right? Yes, but there are challenges. One challenge we faced was in determining the right content architecture, specifically how to divide up the content among the various projects. With two teams of writers, about 10 writers total, and approximately 15 or so distinct products, each with their own documentation, what is the right content architecture? Should we have lots of little repos, that is one repo per product? Or should we have one to two larger repos that consolidate documentation for a lot of different products? I've tried both approaches and I opted for the smaller repos based on the following reasons. Shorter build times, no concerns concerns about repo size warnings, fewer merge conflicts with writers, more distinct publishing pipelines, more autonomy for authors less visual clutter in the project, and so on. The long build times with Jekyll is a real issue when it comes to scaling your project. When you have a few hundred files in the project, it can take 45 seconds or longer to build a project each time. Additionally, when you have a lot of writers creating and merging branches in the same repository, it's easier for someone to screw things up. Someone could change a common file such as a default config file in ways that conflict with other people's edits. Another writer might uh, add a bunch of custom scripts in the project root directory that creates all kinds of visual clutter. Another writer might accidentally commit large media files that get included in the output, making it difficult for anybody to transfer the output onto a review server. Small repos avoid a lot of these issues. The small repo model is largely the model you'd follow when using a traditional help authoring tool such as Flare. In in that traditional model each doc set is its own independent project. However, small repos have an equally challenging set of issues. The problem with small repos is ensuring consistency of theme files across all the repos. Suppose you have 20 separate repositories for each of your product docs. How do you make sure each individual project can get the same theme files? I've tried three approaches to distribute theme files, RubyGems and Bundler, Submodules, and Subtrees. In the end, none worked, and I ended up using the large consolidated repo approach. But I'd like to describe some of my efforts with these other attempts and explain why they failed for my scenario. RubyGems and Bundler. RubyGems and Bundler is the approach Jekyll uses to distribute themes. RubyGems is a package management service where you can upload gems, which are chunks of code. You can then use Bundler to manage your RubyGems packages in your Jekyll projects. Bundler is tricky because right from the start, you're working in an open source environment with your theme. And this might cause legal complications that require you to get approval. You could use a different gem management server other than RubyGems, but then you'd probably have to deploy and manage your own server. I actually did get legal approval and developed a Jekyll theme with a gem-based theme distributed through Bundler, and you can see it here at a link in the post. The method for distributing files through RubyGems and Bundler works fairly well. Uh, though there are some glitches in overriding files, especially static files, and you can't easily share content assets. For example, suppose you want to share content assets, and by this I mean reusable documentation components, not theme files, through your includes in the gem. Well, packaging the content inside the gem is kind of heavy as a means of distribution. In the end, it didn't matter because our build management system couldn't build jekyll using bundler uh, that would be running bundle exec jekyll serve our management system or our build management system could only build using the vanilla jekyll serve command so the bundler and ruby gems approach had to be scrapped git submodules option 2 was to use a git submodule a git submodule is a git repo inside of a Git repo. Although a lot of people say submodules are confusing and tricky, I found submodules to work quite well and to be intuitive for our use case. The trick is to change into the submodule directory and then run git push and pull commands as normal. What I liked best about submodules is the ability to push upstream from any submodule instance. And you can easily branch content and switch branches from within the submodule. It worked really well. However, with submodules, there's a vacuum in the git repo with those submodule files. The submodule directory is empty and just contains a pointer to another git repo where the submod where the files for the submodule are stored. And normally this architecture would be fine in a Git based system, but our build management system could not build Jekyll projects that had submodules in the repo. The submodule files just weren't there, and pulling the submodule in as a, as a dependency wasn't something the engineers could figure out how to do. I found this frustrating because one thing build management systems are supposed to do is handle dependencies. With a Java project, you can build a package that is used in many different projects, and each project can declare dependency on another package and simply pull in the code as a dependency. But apparently, Java packages and documentation are kind of like apples and oranges. The the dependency logic couldn't be applied to a documentation repo. I have to say, at this point, I began to realize that the build management systems are a black box to me. I know very little about them other than their engineering territory. It would have been nice to know the full limits of our build system early on, but since engineers were operating on a premise that we we're, were treating docs like code and they already had code workflows integrated for other parts of the site, it seemed like replicating similar workflows but with docs would be a no-brainer. It wasn't. I also realized that engineers operate under the constraints of a larger system that they necessarily haven't designed themselves. Especially at larger companies, there are build management systems that are similar to highway infrastructure that engineers simply use. Either the roads work and get you to your destination, or they don't. Engineers aren't going to start constructing new highways to accommodate special needs and directions for your project. The infrastructure was built long ago and is likely maintained by an entirely separate team. Git subtrees. The neat thing about code is that there are at least 17 ways to do something, so if one approach fails, you can usually try half a dozen other approaches. Although submodules failed, the next trick up my sleeve was to use something called Git subtrees. Subtrees are like a remote added to your Git repo. The files are present, but Git knows how to treat the subtree directory a bit differently you explicitly pull the subtree to get the files. With subtrees, you can't easily easily push changes upstream, nor can you easily switch between branches. I mean, technically you can, but it's complex and it wasn't a workflow I was going to suggest for our team. What's confusing about subtrees is the git syntax. It's just weird and a bit different. But after some trial and error, I got it working. And while the build management system could actually build Jekyll projects that had subtrees, all the files were present. It turns out that engineers didn't want to create separate pipelines and workflows for all of these separate repositories. I had a vision of a lot of little rivers flowing independently into one large ocean. But having separate repos or separate rivers for each project would have created a lot of engineering work. Maintenance and overhead, creating all of these separate build processes and pipelines across the many repos, was a task that engineers felt was unnecessary, especially given the small size of some of the repos. I had to rethink the content architecture. HTML in repos? At this point, I began to question why we were using a build management system at all, and suggested that each writer build the HTML output locally, and upload it to a repo that just contained different folders for the built output of each project. Each project's source would still exist in its own independent repo, but when writers built the output locally, they would copy the HTML into a master repository that would run through the rest of the publishing pipeline. After all, it wasn't as if we were using special plugins or had anything unique going on in the Jekyll build process with the build management system. And with all of the limitations of building from the build management system, why not just start with the HTML output? However, this idea was dead in the water and didn't even earn 5 minutes of discussion among the engineers. There are a couple of immutable principles of development that engineers are entirely persuaded toward. You store source files in source control. You push your source control into a build management system to build the content. Problems in storing output in source control. HTML files are the built output not the source. If you you store HTML in a Git repo, several problems result first there's no way to know if the content is the canonical source with git one writer who commits conflicting changes in the source content will be prompted with merge conflicts if another writer makes conflicting changes but with html outputs this conflict resolution is much more fuzzy because you're no longer working with the source you can't know how the built output from writer 1 compares with the built output from writer 2 because the build times won't necessarily correlate with the timestamps of when they changed the source and committed the changes. Putting the output in the source violates the whole idea of source control, and engineers wouldn't even consider it with any seriousness. Another problem with building locally is the inconsistency of output. Suppose each writer builds their own output using their own Jekyll gem instance. Well, this seems fine. With software management, it's not a good practice. Writer 1 might have Jekyll gem version 3.5, while Writer 2 has Jekyll version 2.1. The Jekyll theme might use code that works well for version 3.5, like the relative underscore URL tag, but which Jekyll 2.1 won't recognize. Take this a step further. Suppose Writer 3 is really text savvy and integrates a few Jekyll plugins the other writers don't have. Writer 3 leaves and Writer 1 inherits the plugin-dependent projects. Now Writer 1's build fails until he or she can figure out how to exactly replicate the build environment of Writer 3. If you have inconsistent build outputs from different writers, you're more likely to introduce bugs or other problems in the output. It's smarter to have one centralized build mechanism that everyone uses and enforce a consistent output. With documentation content, it didn't seem like a huge risk that there would be inconsistencies in the build. But software is much more exacting. It would be a release management nightmare to have each programmer build outputs on his or her own machine given the large variety of versions, frameworks, and other packages that different developers might have further if you allow each writer to build on their own machines you can't enforce validation scripts sure you could recommend that writers run scripts to check for broken links missing images and misspellings but by centralizing the build process to the server you can enforce these checks submitting to the engineering way it took a few heated battles before I finally gave up trying to do things my way and submitted to the engineer's recommendations. Although they'd never managed a Jekyll project or written documentation as technical writers, they were familiar with software development workflows and followed best practices for building and developing software. As we worked through these scenarios, we settled on having just two repositories, one for each team. Each repo would have the documentation for many different projects, and multiple writers would work from the same repo. We wouldn't use a subtree or a submodule to source the theme files across the two repos. It would be easier to just make updates for the theme files in both repos. This would allow writers to use Jekyll's includes feature to share content across the team's subprojects. After I consolidated the repos, I felt that it was in fact the right decision. Some projects were really small, and by having all the content together, it was easier to spot inconsistencies or errors across the projects and just to see how other writers are approaching things. It does take 45 seconds to run Jekyll serve given the amount of content in each repo, but I found a workaround to shorten build times. My workaround involves creating a project-specific configuration file and cascading it with the default config. For example, Jekyll serve dash dash config your default config slash your project specific config. The project specific config will overwrite the default config and will thereby exclude certain directories from the default config and set published false for docs you want uh, excluded from the build. This shortens the build time down from about 45 seconds to 3 seconds. I pledge allegiance dot, dot dot I learned a lot by working on this project. First and foremost, I realized that if you're going to use a docs as code model, you have to abide by the principles of software development. If you try to implement a different workflow, you'll run up against a brick wall with developers, since that's not how things are done. I don't know what all the principles of software development are, but the following seem to be common practices. You don't store build artifacts in a source repository. You don't store binaries, non-text files such as images, zip files, PDFs, etc. in a repository. You build the output from one centralized location using a build management system. You limit the number of production build pipelines for your content. And you push content into a staging area before production. I'm not sure if the software development model aligns well with the needs of documentation development. In many ways, it does work out. But when I want to fix a small typo, will the software management process be overkill? Will I be able to easily iterate with my content based on incoming feedback? Is building from a build management system really better and easier than building the HTML output locally and uploading it individually? I wrote about some of these reservations previously here, in a post called Limits to the Idea of Treating Docs as Code. My main concern is that software development demands a heavy release process to ensure no bugs exist in the software. Software isn't designed for any single individual to push quickly to production without going through stringent QA testing and hardening. In fact for one of my projects at work, the project manager prefers to limit new versions to quarterly releases because the QA process required for each release is so time-intensive. When following a DOCS as code model, as we saddle our documentation processes with build management servers and software release pipelines, will we someday find that documentation isn't quite the same as code? Will pushing out that quick fix to address the typo or missing detail become more effort than it's worth? Probably, at the same time, I do think that the Doxus Code tooling is moving writers toward an inevitable direction that is good. Embedded with engineers, we're kind of floating down the internet river, being pushed and pulled by the river's ebbs and flows. And the more we align with Doxus Code, the more we tie future directions of Doc to the future directions of Code. The infrastructure of technology is being built by engineers and they're optimizing the workflows around these software development principles and tools by piggybacking on engineering principles, workflows, and tools we're getting cutting-edge infrastructure for our docs. Sure, some of these engineering principles, workflows, and tools may seem kind of odd or might not fit well. For example, dependency management didn't seem to include documentation dependencies, but by and large there are more advantages than disadvantages. And one of the primary advantages is Git. Git is an ingenious tool for collaboration. It allows you to implement content architecture models that involve either small repos or large repos with a variety of workflows. Sure, Git is a little confusing at first until you learn the part of Git you need to know. Then it becomes almost second nature. Without Git or without another distributed version control system, how would you collaborate with content projects? You could check files in and out of SharePoint. You could buy a proprietary CMS for managing content, which might lock files that are in process. But Git is just better. Docs in the future. Want to see what documentation will look like in 10 years? If you follow docs as code, You just need to look at the future of software if we align documentation with the same principles tools and workflows as software we have a clear vision of where we're headed within software at least two trends stand out to me rest apis and software as a service or sas local downloads of code are becoming less and less common instead of delivering jar files for java developers for example to integrate into their projects. We often provide REST APIs for developers to retrieve the information dynamically over the web. Additionally, rather than having users download an executable file and install a program locally, most software now exists as an online service. For example, look at even the most commonly used application, Microsoft Word. Sure, you can buy a locally downloadable version. But the newer model is the cloud-based version, Word 365. Most people just skip Word altogether and use Google Docs, which exists only as an online service. Many documentation tools and platforms have followed similar cloud models. Corilla, Poligo, MindTouch, ClickHelp. SAS is the indisputable trend. And these trends don't just impact how we deliver docs, putting docs on a web page rather than sending out PDFs or packaging the help as a file within a local executable has become a standard practice for some time. These trends impact the way documentation is also authored and how content is structured among teams as well. Rather than having individual instances of a project whose theme files and other code one tries to keep in sync, more writers hook into a centralized system to do their work. There might actually be a documentation uh, CCMS, but more commonly, there's a master repository for doc with a centralized pipeline, workflow, and other logic. You might even have a mono repo for doc. How do you share content around the system? To share content across multiple large repos, I think at some point, content-based APIs will become common. We've seen just one example of this so far with Contentful, but my guess is that content-based APIs will be more common in the future. Whatever techniques developers use to share code and information, Doc will follow. Thanks, you've been listening to I'dRatherBeWriting.com. Follow me online for new posts, thanks.